Well, this has been, uh, for the last couple of weeks, some really fun, exciting times for us uh, with the children's ministry, with all of the kids moving up on Moving Up Sunday. That was fun. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did testimonies of people who have encountered God throughout the year and how God has met with them and changed their lives. And then last week, we had the joy of being able to celebrate with friends who were water baptized and then joined the church. And it's just it's just been a great time of celebration, a season with a reason to honor and glorify God, and we're grateful for it. But I want you to go back a little bit farther than that, like to the last century. I know for some of you that's going to be hard to remember, but I want you to go back just a little bit. And in August, we took the whole month and we talked to you about what was called the cycle of grace. How many of you guys remember that? Okay, do we have a picture of that up here? Did we or didn't we? Can't remember. There we go. The cycle of grace was basically a very simple kind of illustration that we wanted you to catch about the way in which Jesus not only began his ministry, but was able to sustain his ministry through some really hard times right to the end. Because the reality is, even though you're a Christian, even though you're a believer, it doesn't mean your life is just pie in the sky, hunky-tory, peachy keen all the time. Sometimes it's not cool. Sometimes you struggle. So we looked at the fact that Jesus started with acceptance, with his identity in the Father, that God would say to him, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased before Jesus did one miracle or taught any parables at all. And then we saw the second thing is he went from acceptance to sustenance, ways in which he comported himself that would allow him to continue to receive fresh life from the Father. And from there we went into significance where he began to look at how God made him and what he was here for. And then finally, we ended with fruitfulness. And we looked at all of that. And I, I'm bringing this back to your memory because I want to kind of jump off of that today. I'm not going to talk about that. If you weren't here for that, you can go back and you could get those online uh, for the month of August. It was the whole month given over to that. But I want to talk to you about something very similar to that today. Um, most of you are aware of the uh, gospel truth out of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. How many of you know Ephesians 2.8? What is Ephesians 2.8? I'm sorry, say it loudly. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of works, lest anybody could Boast. Okay, good. So you understand that gospel truth, that it's God's grace that saves us when we put our trust into God. In other words, our faith, our believing what he has said becomes the vehicle whereby the grace of God could be received by us. And we all understand that truth. But one of the things that I, I learned when I was a kid growing up, I learned a definition for grace. How many of you learned the same definition? It is grace is unmerited favor. How many of you learned that? Okay, that, that's a good definition. It really is. It's, it's favor that we receive from God that we did not earn, we did not deserve. He gave it freely. But I would suggest to you that grace is far more than that. Grace, according to the word of God, the root word of grace is the word charis. And it literally means the active working of the Holy Ghost in our lives. In other words, it's the way in which God enables us to live 
gracefully on a day-by-day basis. In other words, grace comes into us and grace flows through us to others. It's God's Holy Spirit actually working and moving through us. And we receive these benefits. And so it doesn't matter really whether you're a plumber or whether you're a pastor, whether you're a, a devotee or whether you're a drunk. It doesn't matter whether you're a mom or you're a mobster. The grace of God can come to you. It can save you to the uttermost. So that when people say, you know, I'm a Christian, I want to know. In fact, I sometimes ask them, okay, are you saved or are you save-saved? Because some people get just enough God to get out of hell, but they they continue to live like hell. And I'm thinking, no, I want people who actually have so much God in them that something begins to happen inside of them that you begin to see. Now, I'm not saying it all happens at once. Every one of us in this room has some stuff that we're still working through. Every one of us have problems, tendencies, sins in our lives that God still deals with. But our salvation is not based in our performance. Our salvation is based in His performance, right? Okay, make sure you got that down. But I want to suggest to you there's a different kind of grace. That's called saving grace. I would suggest to you there's another grace, and it has a kind of an interesting theological kind of technical term to it. That grace is called provenient grace. Provenient. Provenient grace. Not prevenient. It's provenient. Close. Uh, provenient grace. So you've got to add just a couple of more letters, like a V-E-N-I-E-N-T. Uh, provenient grace means it is a grace that actually comes before or precedes or a grace that anticipates. That's what the word provenient means. It means it comes before it anticipates. So the question you ought to ask is, what is it coming before? What is it anticipating? And I would suggest to you that provenient grace which is also called simple grace, comes before saving grace. And it kind of works like this. Uh, And and I know that for some of you, uh, this is like uh, theology 101. You've got this all down. But I I just felt like I wanted to talk about something this morning that's very simple, but it's something that God's dealing with in my own life. Provenient grace literally means the grace of God that sustains life and health without any faith necessary. You don't need faith in order to see provenient grace work in your life. So, uh, let's explain it like this. When you opened your eyes this morning, whether you know it or not, provenient grace was at work. Because there are people, you know, who didn't open their eyes this morning. Right? Every single day there are people who die. You opened your eyes, that's the grace of God that caused you to have breath and be able to open your eyes, be alive, and be a part of the active human race. And the way in which the scripture puts it is this way, in Matthew 5.45. He makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, we see provenient grace around us every day, all day long. Now, think about it this way, Jonathan. You're driving down the road. You've just come through Tim Hortons, and you're ready to face the day. You've got your coffee in your hand. You've got a hand on the steering wheel, and you pull out of the plaza, and you're going to make a right-hand turn, and you look, and everything is fine. 
you pull out and suddenly across the road at the carpet cleaning place, somebody without looking pulls down that road and almost crashes right into you. And you swerve over to the right, Jonathan. You avoid him while holding your coffee in your hand and not spilling a drop. And you get back on the road. And that, that was amazing. And Jonathan says, oh, God, you saved me. Thank you so much. It's your grace. And it is. But when he glances over to the other car, in the other car is a guy who's not holding coffee at all. He's got something quite different in his hand. And it's not Diet Coke from McDonald's either. And Jonathan recognizes him, and he knows he's a town druggie. He's a drunk through and through. And this guy has just about killed him because he didn't even look. But somehow, both Jonathan, who is a believer, and this other guy who doesn't believe in God at all, were both saved. That's provenient grace at work. It's where... Think of it this way, um, and maybe there's better ways that you could come up with, I'm sure. But think of it kind of like the ceiling right here. This ceiling, in fact, if you wanted to actually be more accurate, it would be the sky above it. But for our purposes, this ceiling is like, um, kind of like provenient grace. You don't have to do anything. You're, you're just under it. You, you receive the benefits of the covering of this just by being here. That's called provenient grace. It, it's kind of like uh, a simple grace that doesn't take much work on your part at all, doesn't take any activity, you just have to come in and sit here. And because you're sitting here, you come under the provenient grace of God. But there's another grace, and, and I talked to you a little bit about that at the beginning. This grace is, is a different kind of grace. We know that because you place your trust in God, you believe what he has said about you. You believe what he has said about his promises over your life. That something is at work where God is doing something in your life that God comes almost miraculously and he, like within the scope of provenient grace that's still there, he erects like a canopy of another grace. Now keep it in the middle. Now just move backwards. You're going up on the steps. One more step. Up. Up one more step. I want you to you know these guys are licensed at this. These are like top notch guys. There you go. Thank you, guys. Good job. All locked in? Whew, man, that was dangerous. That's kind of like the grace of God. It's a dangerous thing when it really works in your life. So you've moved from provenient grace, which just kind of covers us all, to where you start to come under a new canopy called God's saving grace, the act of working of His Holy Spirit in your life. And, and it doesn't mean that when you live under the grace of God, the saving grace, that you somehow have won the lottery. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to go perfectly and you'll never have another problem. I can remember uh, the day I first heard about God. It was at a small little cement block church 
in Bath, New York. And I, I don't even remember even what the pastor preached on. I'm sure it was good. I don't remember what was sung. Uh, I, I, actually, I do remember, I'm sorry, because there was a special that was sung every single Sunday night, no matter what. It was called, I'd Rather Have Jesus Than Silver or Gold. So that was sung. I remember that. That was every Sunday night. Um, and so I, I heard something. I felt something about God. And I can remember the pastor and my father praying for me and saying, because you've now encountered God's grace, you'll never be a bad boy again. That's what they said to me. Sounded wonderful in theory. It didn't even work to the next day. The cows got out. And I literally, I did this. I prayed that God would give me wings so I could catch these cows. And do you know what God didn't do? I mean, what good is this? He didn't give me wings. I had to chase those cows all over. So living under the canopy of God's grace doesn't mean you no longer have any more problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges or struggles. It doesn't mean everything is going to go perfectly for you. Your marriage is going to be perfect. Your spouse is finally going to be what you always wanted them to be. Your kids will finally obey. That's not what this is about. This is not like the cure-all of everything. This is the ultimate cure-all in which we allow God to do something in our lives whereby we are touched by it. Now, the amazing thing, which I could have had these guys do, I just thought after, especially after setting it up, that was challenge enough. Um, the amazing thing about this canopy is that it actually moves. It doesn't move because you move. You move because it moves. So it's kind of like when Jesus said, I only do that which I see my Father do. In other words, you keep your eye on what is God doing? What's God's activity in life right now? And wherever God's doing something, I want to get engaged with that. I want, it's kind of like when the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, how many of you saw Harrison Ford in the Ark of the Covenant? You know, right, right. That's, how, that's about all you guys know about it, okay? But in the Old Testament, there was this thing that was called an ark, ark of the covenant, and it represented the presence of God. And God says, when the ark moves, you should move. This isn't about you just deciding to move, because that happened one time. They decided they would just get up and move it. And a guy puts his hand out on it to steady the ark, and he dropped dead. This is not something you play with. This is not like, oh, I've got the grace of God covering me now so I can do anything I want. It doesn't matter. No, Paul says, shall we sin that grace might abound? No, God forbid. This is about the active working of God in our lives. It's kind of like we get the privilege of God inviting us under his canopy, and he sets up a table here, like in Psalm 23, and he lavishes us with his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his grace. All of that's there, and we can trust that while we're here, everything will be okay that ultimately God is going to win. And so while you live under the grace of God, you never worry, you never fear, and you never fret. We never give a thought to possible dangers or calamities or negative things because we have a good, good Father. So while you live under the grace of God, you never have worried, right? In fact, let me ask you it this way. How many of you are believers here today? So you live under this canopy, right? The grace of God is there. How many of you never worry? How many of you never get anxious about anything? How many of you never think ahead of time about um, what am I going to do if or when even? 
And yet the truth is, when we live under this canopy, this grace of God, God has promised that no matter what you face while you're under this canopy, he's going to give you grace to handle it. He's going to give you strength and courage and help to handle it while you're under the canopy. So, um, for me, I, I want to confess up front. This, this whole message came out of the fact that I realized one day uh, while I was out walking, uh, it was just one of those days I was walking, and um, I was walking, I don't know how long I was gone on that particular walk, it was probably close to two hours, and I realized in the middle of it, I had just spent the entire time thinking about some what-ifs and down-the-roads. That's what I called them, what-ifs and down-the-roads. I had spent my whole time chewing the mental cud of what if this happens, or what if this doesn't happen, and what am I going to do down the road when? And I had just spent almost two hours just worrying and fretting. And all of a sudden it hit me, is this really how you want to live your life? Now, you've got to understand, I feel like I have some pretty big things to be worried about. I'm worried about uh, my daughter and her health. In the midst of this pregnancy, she has had some really significant physical challenges, even some things that are going to go on afterwards that she's going to have to deal with. Worried about the little baby that was in her womb. Is everything going to be okay? Because doctors would tell us. Statistically, this is what you might face. Um, I've been worried about uh, my wife. I've been worried a lot about my wife because for the last few months, she has basically been the primary caregiver for these two little children, our grandkids, who we love dearly, but at 60 years of age, God never intended for us to have to do what we used to do when we were 30. And she's exhausted, her knee, uh, all of that stuff is going on, so I've worried about her health. I've worried about her emotional well-being because she carries all of this stuff inside of her so deeply. Um, I have been worried about big things in life. Um, in the middle of everything that was going on, and, and thank God it didn't come when any of you guys could have seen me, but I woke up one day and I had uh, some weird, like I thought they were bites on my head on this side, bumps on my head. And I said, oh, that's weird. I must have gotten bit by a spider in the night. They didn't itch at all, which was odd because I'm highly allergic to all that kind of stuff. But there was just a couple bumps. And then over the next two days, those bumps got less and less, but my head began to swell out. I mean, it was way up. It was like a ridge. It went right up my head here, up here, and across here. And I just thought, man, that looks so weird. I look like, you know, some kind of transformer or something's going on. <laughs> um, it was weird. But Karen remembered something, and of course she wanted to tell me. Karen remembered that my dad died of cancer, and the first sign of his cancer was a brain tumor. So all of a sudden it's like, oh my word, I'm almost the exact same age as my dad when he died. I mean, I'm within, within the year, this is when he died, and I thought, no, God would never do that, would he? No, he wouldn't, but Stuff does happen. Even when you're living under the grace of God, stuff happens. People do die. People do get cancer. We believe in healing. We've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God heal amazing things. But I also know sometimes people die. So I, I was dealing with all of that at the same time. And then lesser things like my wife's knee. I'm thinking, is this thing ever going to get better? Because I have a dream. My dream is that when we finally do get old, 
which is going to be for a while yet, okay? Just let be clear. When we get old, I want us to do night walks together. I mean, I like doing our workout walks. I like that. But I liked when we were able to just go for another three, four, five miles at night and just be together and hold hands and talk. I like that. But her knee hurts her a lot. And so sometimes we get to that time of night and she can't do it anymore. Or I've wondered even about my own shoulder. I mean, it's been five and a half months and that thing still kills. And I'm thinking... Is this thing ever going to get back? So little things began to worry me. Big things began to worry me. And all of a sudden it hit me. I'm living under the grace of God, but I'm living as if there is no grace because I'm worried about the what ifs and the down the roads. Um, I don't know about you. In fact, let me just ask you. How many of you would admit, and I know we're in church, but that's okay. How many of you would admit that sometimes you have struggled with worry? Anxiety, you know, being anxious about things, wondering about things. Uh, I think that's something that probably is true for all of us. It's like uh, I was thinking just recently, there are some places I still want to go and visit in my life. I, I have a bucket list. God has been so gracious to allow me to teach them. I have a couple places I want to go. I, I want to go to Israel before I die. I would like to, it's not because I feel like somehow it's going to be like some kind of mystical thing. I just thought it would be nice to touch the ground that Jesus touched. I would like to do that. Uh, although the truth is, I think Jesus touches all ground since he created it by the word of his power. Um, I might add, by the way, I just listened recently to a, a guy who was talking about a neuroscientist who did a study, and he recognizes that every breath that you breathe is never completely gone from the ethos. A certain percentage of it remains in existence for eternity. So the likelihood is that every breath that you breathe has some part of the breath that Jesus breathed, which I thought was just kind of cool. But anyways, so I'd like to see Israel. I'd like to go to Australia. So I, I have a couple of things still on my bucket list. I want to go where all those prisoners were sent from England, just to see that, you know. Uh, I think that would be kind of cool to see that kind of environment. The one place I don't want to go that I go all too often is called Worry Country. I, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to waste my time, my energy with all of that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's kind of like um, when I begin to worry about things that are down the road, wondering what will happen if, um, I find that I'm not present in the now. When I am fretting about that stuff, I can't live fully in the moment. I can't love my wife the way I ought to. I can't pastor the way God called me to because I'm not living here and now. I'm living up there. And here is what it came down to. In fact, th this is a good verse. If you want to turn there, you can look at this. This is kind of like the primary verse. John 14. Jesus says this. This is even though, even though you live in the land of the even though. The even though being I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though all of that's true while we're living under the canopy of God's grace. Even though that's true, Jesus still said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what this canopy is all about. It's about living in the moment with the presence of God. It's finding God in the moment not fretting, worrying, and being anxious 
anxious about things. And by the way, I, I want to be clear. This isn't about pretending that hard things don't happen. This isn't like plugging your ears and saying, no, 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 hoping loud enough that you will confuse everything around you and no trouble can come your way. This isn't about pretending because grace only is for the real you, not for the pretend you. So one of the things that I thought of, and this is kind of like an image that God gave me, is the canopy of grace is set up. You have provenient grace out there, which is for everybody. You don't even need faith for that. It's just God reigns on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. All that happens out there. Under the grace of God, though, this is where we're supposed to live. This is his presence. But when we go out here and we worry, what we're doing, whether we realize it or not, is we are running ahead of the grace of God. And that's the phrase God kept giving to me. As I was walking today, he kept saying, you're running ahead of grace. I'm not giving you grace for here because that's not even here yet. I mean, if you think about it, how many things that you worried about never even came to pass? I mean, think about it, honestly. Financially, how many things that you worry about have never come to pass? You know, you lost that job and you thought, oh my word, what are we going to do? We're going to go, we're going to be on food stamps and things are going to be terrible. And yet here you are today. You're still okay. God's still has God still taking care of you? Are you still eating? You look like you're eating. We worry about things, and yet so many of the things we worry about never happen. Now, here's the danger. I can almost convince myself that my worrying kept it from happening. But my worrying did nothing but suck away from me courage and peace and joy. Because I have come ahead of the grace of God. I've run ahead of it. Or another way you might say it is, I have run away from the grace of God. When God's moving and He wants you to do something, He gives you grace in that moment for what you're dealing with. Not for what ifs or down the road. And that's kind of where the picture that God gave me is, we wonder why when we pray, I don't feel more peace. Because we're praying about things that haven't even come to pass or aren't even on our screen yet. Well, God, what if this happens with the baby? I don't know. You know, I'm not saying we don't pray health and wholeness. I'm saying I'm not going to sit and worry about stuff that's coming down the road that I can't do anything about. And some of it God never intended because it's not time for it yet. When it's time, God will give grace for it, whatever that moment might be. We spend uh, our time, our minutes, uh, our hours, sometimes our years and lifetime worrying about things that the Holy Spirit never asks us to. Now, let me ask you, of the things that you tend to worry about, how many of them can you truly control? And I think the answer is almost none of them. Which is why God says, cast all your cares upon him. But here's the problem. He can't even handle them. God can't handle those problems because you keep your stinky little hands gripping them tightly and you don't release them to him to handle. That's what worrying and fretting does. It takes God out of the equation. It, it says, God, I can handle this myself, so let me just fret and worry about it until I fix it, until I make it right, instead of trusting that you can do it. God gives us grace to live gracefully today. Not just tomorrow, today. For this moment, whatever it might bring to us, God gives us grace that we could live giving out grace and receiving grace in this moment, today. Um, 
Paul put it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So not only are we to live in the moment under grace, the second thing is we have to be willing to accept and receive and see what God has already done for us. We sang it this morning. You have done it before, you can do it again. Speaking to that mountain. Do it again, God. You've done it before. You've proven faithful. You've proven kind to me in the past. Isn't that what David does again and again in the Psalms? David's real about his struggles. He'll talk about his struggles that are current in his life. Not just worrying about down the road. Right now, these are things I'm facing. And he'll talk very honestly, which is what I think we ought to do. I think God can handle that kind of tough conversation. But in the midst of it, there ought to be some point where we also recognize what God has already done for us. Even what he's doing for us in this moment. I've had people come to me. I I have literally had people come to me and say, I don't know if I'm going to make it until tomorrow. And yet here we are years down the road, and they're still here and they're still breathing. But they acted like we're not going to make it. When the truth is, God has proven himself faithful again and again and again. Grace for the day. Deuteronomy 30.15 says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Therefore, choose life that you might live. But he says, I put before you today. Not tomorrow. Today. David put it this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So the second thing I wanted you to see, the first is we need to live with God's grace in the moment. The second thing is we need to be able to see the goodness of God while in the land of the living. That God has been kind and good to us even in the midst of this stuff. And every one of us deal with hard things. We deal with challenges. We deal with struggles. Anybody who says to you, once you become a Christian, all your problems will go away, is either deluded or lying, one or the other. Because the truth is, Christian or not, you still face challenges. But God can give us grace, and we can see God's handiwork even in the midst of it all. So if you run ahead of grace, you begin to wonder about and worry about the what-ifs and the -the down-the-roads. The problem is there's no grace there. The grace is here. And that's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to live in his grace. Isaiah put it this way. Now, 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 not then, now, thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, okay, that's down the road, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. There. I'm not going to be there ahead of time. I'll be there when you pass through the waters. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The message is simple. That God's grace is only available for us in that moment. Not a moment before and a moment after. He's available to us right now. In the second. And the question is, are you going to choose to live your whole life as if you're in control or as if no one's in control? Or are you going to live your life saying, God, I am yours. I'm not going to live my life trying to balance all the balls. I found I'm not a good juggler. I can't keep all the balls up in the air. I have to be able to trust God that he will take care of things in his time in that moment. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, Therefore I say to you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles or the unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have to choose. We have a choice how we're going to live our lives. And some of us are more prone to it than others, whether by upbringing or by certain things in our own personality. But one of the things I have committed, in, especially in this last few months as we've been dealing with some stuff with Jennifer, dealing with this on a day-by-day-by-day basis is we will deal with it day-by-day by God's grace. Not worrying about tomorrow, we'll deal with today. And I'm going to choose to take this, this worry switch, this fretting switch, and turn it off in my life. Now that sounds easy. There's no simple answer. It does mean that we come on a day-by-day basis and we say, God, in this moment, in this day, I need your presence and I invite you to come near. This isn't about me being able to handle everything. It's not even about me being able to handle everything well. It's about you walking with me and me being aware of your presence even in that stuff. In John 1, Jesus was said by God that he came and he tabernacled among us. This is the tabernacle he's talking about. A tabernacle of grace, of his presence. So in the scope of what I had been dealing with over these last weeks, so I I began to think about this probably a good couple months ago, thinking about this whole principle in my life. And I just decided, I'm going to tell you what God has been saying to me. I made the decision early on, okay, God, I can worry about things. I can get anxious. I can feel the knot in my stomach. I can get upset. I can begin to try to get things in order ahead of time. And I'm not saying there aren't times to think about tomorrow. Like last night, I got my clothes ready for today. I think those kinds of things are okay. But there are some things that I can't get ready for because I'm not even sure it's going to happen. I'm just worrying about it, fretting about it. I made the decision, God, I don't want to live that way. I want your presence day by day. So I've made the commitment that as I get up every morning and as my feet come down off the bed and they touch the ground, my first thought is, Father, for this day, your grace. For this day, your grace. Nothing more, nothing less. I can't worry about tomorrow for this day. I mean, I have a lot of things coming down the road, just like many of you. I have stuff that have been planned out a year in advance, hoping everything will come into line. Uh, That's not my thing. God, I, I believe you've said something to me about it. I'll trust you for it. As that day approaches, your grace will be real for that day. But for today, I'm going to trust in you. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, uh, as we 
end. It's with the recognition that it's possible that some of you, like me, have struggled with grace. I know we don't want to say that. We say, no, I don't struggle with grace. I love grace. But the truth is, we struggle with grace when we choose to run ahead of it. To get out ahead of grace, run away from grace, in order to try to handle things ourselves. And I feel like God is offering you the opportunity this morning, in a unique way, to cast your cares freshly upon Him. Things you can't control. Things that you've been fretting and worrying about. Well, God, what if? All that kind of stuff. God is saying, would you like me to handle it? Because if you, if you want me to handle it, you have to let go of it. You have to cast your care upon me. Whether it be for your family, your spouse, your marriage, your finances, other loved ones, extended family, things you can't control. God's offering you a deal. This is kind of like God saying, let's make a deal. I'll take all of your stuff, all of your worries, all your fretting, all your anxieties, and I'll take them. And I can handle it better than you can if you'll just let go and let him do what he does best. He's a saving, merciful, kind, gracious God. He will do what's best. That's a promise, a guarantee. God only does things well. So if you're here today and you're saying, I, I, I recognize that I've been tending towards some worrying and some fretting, some anxiety built within me. I've been worried about different situations and I've been anxious about them. I've been upset. Not sure what I'm going to do. What if? What if this doesn't work? What if that happens? What am I going to do? If you're today recognizing that's you, you've been carrying something and you're saying, okay, God, I don't want to do that. I want to live with peace. I want to live with joy. Not try to keep all the balls in the air. I want to ask you if you would just to stand and just say, God, I don't want to live like that. I want peace. And again, you might not be prone to this. That's okay. I'm sharing out of my own experience. I would have said I wasn't prone to it at all, but found myself doing it. Now, I'm going to pray for you, and then when I'm done, we have teams that are going to be up front that if you would like prayer, they're going to be available for you. And each one has a, these signs have letters called helps. You can get prayer for healing or for a fresh encounter with God or for life situations. Or maybe you even feel like you need a prophetic word. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. And you need salvation in your life. But every one of these teams can pray for you for about anything. Those are kind of like general guidelines that they use. But if you're just here and you're saying, I just need somebody just to agree with me in prayer. That I am going to change how I function. I'm not going to live my life in worry country. I'm going to live it in peace. If that's your heart. I'd encourage you to come over and let these guys pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of you, and then 
We'll turn some quiet music on, and the teams will be up front by then, and they will be able to receive you if you'd like prayer. If you don't want prayer, we say, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. If you take your talking out into the foyer, and even then keep it at a quiet decibel, that would be helpful to those folks getting prayer in here. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you humbly, recognizing how desperately we need you. Uh, we came to you in salvation. For some of us, it's recent. For some of us, it's been years and years. We said, Jesus, save me. I'm in a ditch. And you came, and you met with me in that ditch, and you saved me. And I'm so grateful. But then I recognize that I see ditches all over the place. I see traps of the enemy. I see problems and struggles. And I begin to think that somehow now it's my responsibility. When the truth is, I don't want to do anything without you. If you, Jesus, would say, I can't do anything without the power of God in my life. I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. How much more is that true of us? And so, Father, we're asking you to break off of us this sense of fear. That's, I believe, at least in my life, the root of it. The lack of trust. Let fresh encounters come. Lord, this isn't an issue of judgment. It's not like we're sitting in judgment of anyone. because We all struggle at times. But Lord, let there be fresh trust in our hearts that we're going to believe you and that you're going to be able to make all grace abound to us in that moment for that situation, whatever it might be. And we're going to be able to walk through each day gracefully. Help us, Father, to see how you have saved us in the past and even your goodness to us in this moment that we're here, we're alive, we're breathing. We're able to sing together, to worship together, to encourage one another. Lord, to see your activity in our lives, which then encourages us that that which you have done and are doing, you're going to continue to do. Break through this sense of fear, of anxiety, of worry, of even doubt until we cast all our cares upon you for you care for us. That's our heart cry today, Father. For this moment, for this day. Not for things later tonight even. Not for things tomorrow that we can't control. And we're going to find out, okay, how did all that go? Is everything okay? No, we're going to live today in your presence. Live right now in your presence. Let that be our testimony, I pray, Father. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. Now, if you would like prayer, teams are going to be up.